dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. There you go. You can say it too. Glory forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so once again, first we're going to pour one out for Mother Natalia. I'm pouring my coffee on the floor. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, <laughs> we miss you, Mother. We miss you, Mother. Yes, we do. Um, I did a I did a 30 minute podcast with Father Travis earlier today, and I was like, some people are probably going to listen to this one first because they're going to scroll through all of our podcasts, see they're all over an hour, and be like, oh, there's a half an hour one. I'll listen to this one first. So I was like, okay, this is not how this normally is. Usually there's a nun, a sweet little nun, who both of us know on the other end of this. So this one will be closer to an hour. Um, so, But um, I do have a special guest here. I'm still at Seek 2023 um, in my hotel room. And uh, my special guests that I roped into coming on the podcast are, it's um, myself, a robot with my voice, Hello, my name is Father Michael. <laughs> this is my brother Joseph, who has my exact same voice. Um, yeah, so, probably the more I try to sound like you, the less I do. I okay, feel like well, I'll probably just, just talk, keep on trying to sound naturally. like me. Then <laughs> we, he, he's been—we've been mistaken for each other in the room many, many times by people that know us pretty well. Um, usually, people that know one of us that don't know the other one, and then they're like, "Oh, I didn't know Joseph was here. I didn't know Father Michael was here." And this is his lovely wife, Francesca. Ciao. One thing I learned about you, Francesca, is that um, you're, you obviously your last name is Girolamo, so your maiden name. So, if your parents, if you have a girl and you want to keep the ethnic name, you need to give them the first name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now you have a very <laughs> Irish last name, even though you're very Italian. It's nice you have a very Italian first name mm-hmm. and that works. We, we did a little of that with with Isabella, our our one so far. Yeah. It's, it sounds a little more Italian than Spanish. Okay. Even though in Spain it would be Isabel okay. without the a, but. Still a Latin sort of name, and they have a, a daughter who's now a perfect blend of Irish and Italian, um, <laughs> named Bella. We call her, but um, I, you will you will hear me call her Seska throughout the podcast because that's what we call her, mm. which is supposedly a mangling of your name that your mom started. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that story yes. last night. Okay, <laughs> I, I my mother is so wonderful, and she's from Kingsburg, Colorado, born and raised. And like the concept that a C could make a ch sound just escapes her. <laughs> so my name is Francesca. I'm named after my grandmother. And uh, it got shortened to Seska because by the time I realized it didn't make sense, it was too late. <laughs> like Francesca, yeah. The um, this is I, I shared last night with you guys. This is very similar to um, on my old podcast, Father John Depple calling me Olaf because mm-hmm. I was like, it's O'Loughlin, not O'Loughlin, and he's like, oh, Olaf. I'm like, no. <laughs> but it became Olaf anyway, and then switched to those who are more more um, kind or cared. Um, not to throw Father John out of the bus, but. <laughs> It was. Uh, it became Olo instead. So uh, there were three of my companion brothers here at Seek, and they they all I heard Olo across the room. I'm like, oh, I haven't heard that in three years. I'm anyway, my it's name is Flolo because my middle name is Lynn. So it's that's the, right. Flo is my initial. <laughs> you were the original Flolo mm. because some people still call me that too. You can take it. It's fine. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to see what my new one is. I just got a text from my my Jamaican buddy. You know him. Lyric. Oh yeah, she lyric. got a text from Lyric this morning. It's his birthday. Um, oh, happy birthday, Lyric! Happy birthday, Lyric! He doesn't listen, but maybe. Um, <laughs> the uh, but his uh, he calls me Fada Fada because it's a it's a and he even spells it F A D U H F A D U H like Fada Fada for for his Jamaicanness. I'm like the father father would be a good nickname. It's funny he doesn't sound Jamaican at all. No, but he, he turns is. it on. His two best friends are Jamaican, okay. and I've hung out and played dominoes with them. And holy smokes, okay. like it comes out, it comes out of him. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. 
So yeah, it's it's uh, you can either Jamaican when he well he's an actor, so it's like he he has to he's put on a very American accent. I was very jealous. I didn't realize he got his start um, being in music videos for Erica Badu, and so she's the one that posts. I knew it was his his uh, is it Erica Badu. We don't oh. know her. <gasps> I I feel so old right now. Do you know Erica Badu? No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my god. Fly on the wall is our good friend Father Joe Richards. He's just hanging out. Yeah. Sorry, audience just, of one. He just said no. Can you can you introduce him please while I while I make this less awkward? Yes, this is this is Father Joe Richards. He's um graduate of the Naval Academy. Was assistant to the president <laughs> for a number of years, left all for seminary. He killed just Osama kidding. bin Laden. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he is the true. <laughs> no, we, we met we met Father Joe in 2012 as focused missionaries. He was just starting his first year as on my second. We started smoking tobacco pipes together that year, as he had done for years and I had done for years, and we hit it off, been good friends ever since. Okay, so this is it is not Erica Badu. Oh. It, this this sounds horrible. I got my like '90s soul singers mixed up. It's in diary, in diary. Oh, so we know her. Okay, thank I, you. That feels, I feel better. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know her. <laughs> okay, they were. They were. Someone's going to claim that they were not soul singers around the same time. But they're. They're both. You. You under. You know how I could mess that up, dear listeners. Um, we'll edit that out. No, we won't. <laughs> that, that's about the slide. No, we won't. <laughs> Seeing if you guys listen to my podcast. Okay. Um, so, uh, welcome, family. It's good to have family on here. And um, I figured I might just have to say, like, okay, this is Father Michael talking, and then talk, and then. <laughs> um, but I'm guessing you, we can figure it out. So I wanted to I wanted to share something. I, I initially wanted to do this with Mother Natalia, but I think it would actually be a really good thing to do with you guys. Uh, the more I think about it. Um, so I, I claim to be good at reading saint stories and like I've been a priest 18 years and I just discovered something for the first time this year in the prologue of Okrid. The prologue of Okrid is, is, was um, written, really compiled, I would say, I think in the, in the early 20th century. Um, but it's obviously all these saint stories and things come from uh, ancient, more ancient traditions. But um, the prologue of Okrid um, involves not only saint stories, but like um, kind of reflections about this, or like reflection questions about the saints. So let me hear just so, so you have in the beginning of it, you have um, the saint stories themselves. You have like, like I'm looking here at December 26th, which is what I'm about to talk about. So you have uh, one, two, three, four, five different saints that tells their stories. Then you have a hymn of praise, and then you have a reflection. Then you have three contemplation questions and a homily for every single day. Wow. So you, you can almost use, like if you want to use the saints in prayer. Now I will warn you, two warnings. The first warning is, is, um, there are some saints that are saints on this because it's an orthodox thing. There are some saints that are oh. saints because they left the Catholic Church, mm. right? Just ignore those ones. You know, <laughs> if, gotcha. I was going to ask if this is an Eastern thing or yeah, Western. No, it's, like, it's an Eastern yeah. thing. It's an orthodox thing. Um, so just just ign- ignore that if you can. Um, unless you're orthodox, then then read up and soak it all in. No, just kidding. <laughs> ignore all the Catholic saints. <laughs> um, and then another thing is is he definitely was writing, as I understand it. He was a monk. He was writing two monks. So it's it's it doesn't. He's not exactly promoting marriage. 
He's promoting not marrying because he's because <laughs> it's for monks, and it's also he's definitely promoting what monks want to promote, namely martyrdom. So every every story, if it's a woman, she was a horrible, unchaste sinner, mm-hmm. and then she decided to be chaste, and that's what made her holy. And every man died a horrible, bloody death by having you know his brain pulled out through his eyeballs or something. You know, it's like it's like there's there's it's there's themes ongoing, and some people have said I need to stop reading this. There's other versions of the saint stories other than this. But this one has so much going on. Um, it's written by uh, Nikolai Velomarovich is the name. Um, I was trying to think of that moment. I just came to me first moment. So, but, but there's a reflection on December 26th. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to, I'm going to go, go by heart here. Um, but there's a reflection on December 26th. That I just shared with all of you. So you've heard it before, but I, I'd, I'd love to, to discuss this and this whole idea. So as the story goes, on December 26th, we hear the gospel of the flight into Egypt. Um, he tells a story that I'm guessing comes from tradition, as he did not make it up, I'm guessing, um, of that the Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were traveling into Egypt. They were fleeing from Herod, of course, um, when when Jesus was a toddler. And and as they were going, they got uh, accosted by thieves. And, and um, these thieves um, stole everything off the donkey, um, I'm guessing he was going to steal the donkey too. One of them looked over and saw the mother of God holding something very close to her chest. I think in a, in a thief's mind, he thought this must be something precious, like gold that she's hiding from me, not to steal it. Um, so he walked over and he kind of he kind of ripped her arm down and she was holding Jesus. She was nursing him, and and like obviously the most most precious um, thing. So he looks and and as the story goes, he looked at the face of the child. It looks at Jesus, and in a very similar way to the woman who saw Moses in the reeds, she says. This is a beautiful child and she saves him because he's a beautiful child. The thief kind of had the same thing. This is a beautiful child and the child was so beautiful. He was struck with something. We'll get into what this, like what kind of beauty that was in a moment. Um, but he was so beautiful that he not only let them go, but but gave back all their stuff, kind of sent them on their way. And according to the story, the mother of God said to, said to him, you know, you will be rewarded for this. In other words, thank you for letting us go. Thank you for giving us our stuff back. Now, again, this is not in the Bible. It's, it's, it's in a certain level of tradition. You do not need to believe this. Um, of course, so, so many Catholics think that we, you have the, you need to believe this and you can't believe this, right? There, there's a lot of things that we treasure in the East that are somewhere in between those two. You can believe it, but you don't need to. And, it, and it's not, we're not, it's not an authoritative teaching, but it, it shares a beautiful story whether it's true or not. And I tend to think that I'd rather get into heaven and, and have, have believed some things that are beautiful, but, but didn't happen rather than not believing things that actually did happen. Mm-hmm. Amen. So I, I use the air on that side. But anyway, as the story goes on, um, so they send them on their way, they get there. Um, 30 years later, um, this, this same thief is on the cross next to Jesus on his right. And this is Dismas. This is the good thief. Obviously did not reform his ways. <laughs> he, he's still thieving at this point in his life. He's being killed for being a thief, but he looks over and sees that same beauty. Um, that he saw in the child. So this isn't a sense of a, this is the same Jesus, of course, the same thief. He sees, he looks over and sees something beautiful. Now, the the more beautiful thing about this is that um, I don't think he meant when he looked at Jesus, like Jesus had good genes. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. man, that's a good looking kid. You know, like that, that wasn't what it was. It, it was a deeper transcendent beauty. And the reason I say that is because when he looked over at Christ on the cross, the the one like that's the one time when we call Jesus ugly. 
like our, our hymnography on yeah, Good Friday from Isaiah too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the suffering servant, and then then, but from our our on Good Friday, our hymnography says the mother of God looked up at her own son and said, "Where has your beauty gone?" So oh. the beauty is not surface on the cross, but the same thief, according to this story, looked over, saw the beauty, and then and then then repented. You know, and Jesus gave him the reward. Today you'll be with me in paradise. So in a sense, this was the the grace of God throughout his whole life brought him here to be one of the first souls in paradise. Um, so anyway, I, I'd love to do a little bit of reflecting with you on what what true beauty is and, and the more the more subtle transcendent beauty. And then maybe what the place of beauty is in the church. And and then you guys are evangelists. You both worked for Focus for years. You still do, Seska. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what what it means to use the gift, especially of our Byzantine Catholic Church and the beauty, um, what that means to those who are evangelizing. Any initial yeah. thoughts yeah. on the story or anything like that? There was an, an old old priest friend of mine um, <clears throat> some years ago. Remember him telling a story because we're here in St. Louis. So it's kind of been on my mind. Um, if anybody's ever been to the Cathedral Basilica here in St. Louis, oh you've gosh, been there, Padre. Yeah, yes. it's it is it's amazing. I remember we we drove through there coming back from new staff training one year, wasn't it? We we drove through here as students on like a random bus trip. That's right. That's we right. At the time, but I had a big crush on you, <laughs> <laughs> and I had an eye for beauty. So we, we we walked into we walked into the the Cathedral Basilica, and I remember thinking at that time, wow, this. This rivals the basilicas of Rome. Mm-hmm. Was my first thought. Looking up at the mosaics, it's absolutely covered in mosaics across the the whole ceiling, and then you go move forward into the altar area, and it's all beautiful marble, just mm-hmm. gorgeous. That's what reminded me of St. Peter's. I think that's probably what what triggered the thought of, wow, this place is just as beautiful, if not more impactful in some regards. Dare I say, than like a St. Peter's basilica with the with the huge what's that? Um, it's like a Baldacchino. Baldacchino, yes, above above the main altar and stuff like that. It was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, and, and, and uh, but back to the, the original story. A, a friend of mine, a priest friend of mine, said he took. He was an old focus missionary. He took uh, some of his students from Alabama there. They were passing through on the way to a conference or something. We're talking. These are early days of focus, like two thousand five, and um, I want to say. And he said a student of his was a Protestant from the you know Baptist South. Walked into the. Uh, to the Cathedral Basilica, and he had his conversion there. So affected mm-hmm. by the beauty of the Cathedral Basilica. It was just something that just absolutely, it obviously knocked him over. And I wouldn't say he had his conversion there, but that was the very, there was the beginning of his full conversion into, into the faith, which is, which is really beautiful. But um, I had a similar experience when I was a missionary at Boulder, bringing a, a Protestant friend of mine. We were actually going to a, a local um, uh, tobacco shop um, where they had our favorite favorite pipe tobacco. It's good old uh, Hobbit's weed. No longer there, unfortunately. But uh, Father Joe, I owe you some some Hobbit's weed. I, I ended I ended up getting the uh, recipe for it. But a, a, a um, this Protestant friend of mine came along, a student I was working with in Boulder, and uh, he. I remember him stepping in front of the the altar uh, at at our cathedral in Denver, the Cathedral of Immaculate Conception, and he had. I remember watching him pray. He was having an experience. It was absolutely amazing. As far as I know, he's he's still a Protestant, but he was just he was a, just a really good man. And watching him stand there and pray kind of give you that one of those impressions of like, wow, I wish I could pray like that. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever he was experiencing in that moment was just was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, those are the stories that come to mind immediately when I think of like af- being affected by by beauty like that. Again, maybe a little too architecture. <laughs> but. 
also a total pearly here. You just threw out there like it was nothing. The fact that you have the recipe to Hobbitsweed. And anybody who lives in Denver has been yearning. Like, what? what what's the place called? The closed? Tewksbury and Company. Tewksbury Company closed, and like people are mourning not having Hobbitsweed tobacco. And Joseph's just like, yeah, I know the recipe. Anyway, on to the next thing. I hit him because I was like, you just dropped that. I will not say how I. He knows people who worked there at the time. So. There's that. Dave Dukesbury, <laughs> if you're listening to this, we're sorry. Dave Dukesbury, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's just. You can tell Dave. me, and I will. I will put it in the safe for 100 years. <laughs> Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Um, yeah, I, I know the recipe for uh, for um, alchemy. No, what, what's what's the, what's the green alcohol? Chartreuse. Really? I the joke. No, I don't. I was, <laughs> I was like, no. I would, I would be killed by the by the Carthusian <laughs> mafia if I, if I really did, if I somehow got it. <laughs> I was like, I, what? Uh, um, Carla. <laughs> we, we've caused <laughs> her to lose her train of thought. <laughs> Talking about beauty. I think, um, I don't know, reflecting on the. Is, it's it's nice, the thought of the like the recognizing the beauty of Jesus in Mary's arms mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's because when you talk about the transcendentals, there's beauty, truth, and goodness, and they they come together. Like you can't like just have one. It, like they're not separate from each other, and so it kind of makes sense. It's like uh, for people who don't know the truth well or don't know goodness well, or it gets distorted from wherever they're at in their lives. Beauty is probably the easiest entry point. So it's like you're going to encounter goodness and you're going to encounter truth if you're encountering beauty. So it's interesting that it's like the thief sees the baby and the thief sees the baby as beautiful because he probably doesn't have the words or the concept mm-hmm. of what he's actually seeing, which is the truth and yeah. the life. Yeah. But, uh, Amen. But, but he sees that it's a beautiful child. Same thing with uh, um, Moses's adoptive mother, mm-hmm. who has a name, but I don't Pharaoh's know what it is. Daughter. Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm not going to say it. Uh, <laughs> thanks. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just going to judge uh, you right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but uh, like she, they don't know truth, but they know there's there's goodness and there's truth mm. here with this beauty, but it's described as what they can experience, which is beauty at the time. So that the um, I mean, it's the same thing as you go into the the cathedral in a, or the basilica in St. Louis, and it's like it is it is stunningly beautiful. But then like it's it's all mosaics. The entire thing is made, and so you're like someone like lovingly put these mosaic tiles into this huge like it's unbelievable. And so it's like you're taking in the beauty of what you first see, but you're also experiencing the love and the faith that went into making the whole thing all at once, which like there's a, there's a spiritual reality that you're experiencing. That's more than just someone made something pretty, the beauty of it. I was thinking that as well, just in terms of goodness, kind of being like the segue into beauty, actually. But again, like we were discussing earlier, probably it's probably somebody's put together some personality <laughs> thing of like how en- entry points into you know knowledge and love of God. Yeah, exactly. Which which transcendental you you plug into? I, I thought thought about that as well. But then you get thinking about it, the fact that these these stories that we're talking about, particularly this one that you said, Father Michael, where it's a, he's a thief. Yeah. And if the story is true, he's a lifelong thief. Yeah. You know, thirty years later, he was still a thief. So you'd think like the 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 goodness and the truth would be absent. And so for me, like we were discussing right before this, I think the the you know what what's, what speaks to me is that you know more more often is the truth. But yet this guy had enough goodness in him, mm-hmm. you know, to see beauty and to experience beauty. I think that's kind of the point that I I think about is like you know. I don't know, I'm, a, I'm a data guy, and it's like you have to hit like a certain threshold, some undefined threshold, to be able to experience of goodness, to be able to experience beauty as beauty. Yeah. You know, when you think about like Saint John Paul II and uh, 
um, the theology of the body. You know, there's, 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 you know, the, the beauty of a, of a naked person, you know, and when you look at the David or when you look at classical stuff, you know, but then there's pornography, which is an absolute, yep. you know, absolute mess of beauty, you know, the, the exact opposite. And um, so, yeah, there's, there's, to me, there's a certain level of, of goodness that you reach that he, he had reached. He was yeah. capable of seeing beauty or maybe yeah. it was God's grace in that moment, you know, making it apparent to him. Yeah, I, I, I think, and I love what you said, Seska, as well, that, that he was looking at the way, the truth, and the life. So he was seeing what he called beauty, but he was also looking at truth. And then he was looking at also, the, he even acknowledged the goodness. This man is being killed for what he did not do. He didn't do anything wrong, whereas we did. There's like, he saw the truth. This is the truth. And he saw the truth of, we did something wrong, he didn't. But he also saw the goodness of the man that would, that would and he asked him, like, the good thing to do would be to welcome me into heaven. That's what I'm asking for here. So mm-hmm. all of this is kind of tied together in in what he saw. And I, I love these conversion stories. I've talked about it a lot recently. So you have these lifelong conversion stories. You have Peter, who at the beginning of the gospel told Jesus to depart from a sinful man. He told Jesus to go away, separate yourself from me because I'm a sinful man. At the end of the gospel, on the Sea of Galilee, he wants Jesus, he jumps into the water, even though he's a worse sinner because he just denied him three times, right? You, you have Mark, according to that tradition, where he was the rich young ruler who went away sad because he had many positions. Then at the end, and Jesus looked at him and loved him, at the end, he, he's the one who has the, you know, the, the white garment gets pulled away from him when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he runs away naked. Like, mm-hmm. that's a conversion. So you have these lifelong conversions and this Dismas is another lifelong conversion who in the beginning of his time when he was a young thief, he he had this little inkling of something and it took his whole life up until the moment of his death to have that conversion. Like you'd think we'd be more patient with ourselves <laughs> as, as far as like how much time do I have to convert? And yet there would be, of course needs to be an, an ongoing urgency as well. Yeah. But I was thinking about one thing before I move on to um, Seska. One of the things about the, the mosaics is that according to the tour I got, they put them all up and then somebody took a little mini hammer and made each of them angle a slightly different way so that they sparkle. So they reflect, yeah. So that when, 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 the, when the light hits on the candles, they, they're all sparkling because somebody had to meticulously hit every single little tiny stone and angle it a slightly different way so that it wasn't like all reflecting down at you, but it was rather sparkling around them being like a mirror. Mm. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so that'd be done with love, you know, <laughs> done with, uh, I had a friend that we, we'd go through the churches in Europe when we were traveling, he would go like, whoever built this truly loves God. Mm-hmm. That's the tragedy of, of a certain cathedral near where I live um, that was built by an atheist and, and it was built explicitly hired, they hired an atheist and it was built to have zero like right angles, pretty much have no order. It's like, come on. Like, like this is what, this? <laughs> like God is order. This is supposed to reveal God, you know, but that was, it was built by an atheist. And like many people are like, well, I mean, again, we're different people are critical about different kinds of art, but it's just like, are you trying mm-hmm. to, to make this look like something other than God? Anyway, sorry. I don't, I, that's I'm not going to say where it is because everybody, <laughs> everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, um, but anyway, um, so yes. So I think another thing too is important. What you mentioned, Joseph, with pornography is to say um, there is, we need to be kind of formed in what is beautiful, mm-hmm. especially if we've had, I mean, I, I have so many people in confession that say, I've been looking at pornography since I was like 10 or like eight sometimes. I remember my first exposure was middle school where, where somebody took a deck of cards with naked ladies on them and just threw them down the hallway. 
And of course, so there's these cards everywhere, and and one of my friends picked it up and put it in his locker, and we're both like staring at this this naked lady on this card. We're middle schoolers, like we were just absolutely fascinated by this thing, you know. Um, especially if you've been exposed to, uh, thank God. We grew up in a good family. We were um, we were exposed to beauty early on in the faith and in all these things. But if if you wouldn't, and I mean, if this is what your your sense of beauty is right off the bat, like we we need to understand what what is is not beautiful, and then also the the levels of beauty. So, quick story. I may have shared this before on the podcast, but. I went to go see um, Archbishop Chaput in Philadelphia, and I'm forgetting the name of the Roman Catholic seminary that's there now, but he lived in it. Um, Father Joe, do you know? Okay, so he lived in the seminary. It is a massive, massive seminary with two separate buildings, one for college, one for normal. And like being Byzantine, like just seeing these massive things, it just blows my mind. And And it had these, the hallways were, you know, 20 foot, ceilings with these massive pieces of art all along the whole hallway. The architecture was incredible. They had all these courtyards, all these shrines, all these little areas, all these gardens, but it was falling apart. It was just so old. Mm. And there were so few seminarians that they were already looking to sell part of it and things like this, but it was all run down. And I said, you know, if I was a kid in Philadelphia in the 60s and I walked and saw this, like this... This is where I want to be. Like this, this is that there was that we were attracted to that beauty, but it it wasn't sustained, mm-hmm. and it couldn't be sustained. And I remember walking along it, going, and I'm a celibate, so this is coming from a celibate guy. But I remember walking along this, looking at all the beauty, especially imagining it in its heyday, and going, you know, I would come here when I was 12 years old to be like, this is it, I'm going here, mm-hmm. and then I would turn 16, and I'd be like, you know what? The way one girl looks at me is more beautiful than that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you 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 can try to attract me with with this with this beauty that's that's fading. But there's something even more beautiful about like one woman is going to like pull me away as a 16 year old kid, which is mm-hmm. good, right? It's good. So so you you understand all these different beauties. But I remember thinking that, and he's like he's like, well, yeah, but this beauty wasn't sustaining, and the you know. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, I mean, I, he's actually doing a really good thing. He's retired now, of course. I think I think his successor is keeping it up. They're actually going to sell both those buildings to a hospital, Catholic hospital, mm. and then are going to build a brand new seminary from the ground up, much smaller, with only the space they need, but they're going to build it on the land where St. John Newman had his first seminary in Chancery. Mm. So I think that was like, that became like a convent that's now unfortunately just, you know, died. So they're going to build the seminary on that ground. So where, where a saint in Philadelphia mm-hmm. um, had it. kind of hope they they call it after St. John Newman at, at that yeah, point too, I, you know, I imagine in, in Philadelphia. That's true. I don't, maybe, maybe it was, I, I forget the name yeah, <laughs> anyway, but, but I think there's something about, about the false, about false beauty mm-hmm. because the devil, the devil takes, of course, things that we're already attracted to when he just twists them slightly, mm-hmm. you know, in the garden of Eden, you'll be like God. God wants us to be like God, but he twists it. The Tower of Babel, you'll get to heaven. God wants us to be in heaven, but there's all these little ways that he twists the different things to show us something that we think is beautiful, but twist it enough. So I like what you said, Joseph, like there's, you need truth and goodness because I think any of those three exalted is too easy for the devil to twist. Yeah. But when you have all three that are that are true and good and beautiful together, it's much harder for the devil because it's almost mm-hmm. like- It's more stable. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. like a tripod. Mm-hmm. 
um, the devil wants to pull us away. The devil wants to isolate us. And so it's the same thing. You know, if people say that there's a thing, by the way, we should do a whole podcast on this too, but there's a there's a thing called prelist. I think we've talked about it a little bit. That, that's just spiritual deceit. Mm. In other words, the devil, if, if I tell God, God, show me a vision of you, God's going to be like, I'm going to do what's going to make you the most faithful and holy. I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to give you everything you need to, to spend your entire life becoming holy. The devil's like, I'll do it. I'll give you a vision. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look like what's good. I'll show you, I'll show you a vision of you in glory. I'll show you exactly what you want to see. So, so some of the saints mm-hmm. say that most visions and most solo spiritual experiences, if they're not bounced off a spiritual director or your community, if they're had alone, are the devil. Mm-hmm. Most are the devil. Like that's scary. Whereas when St. Paul says like gifts of the Holy Spirit, like they're for the building of the community. So I speak in tongues, someone else interprets the tongues. I prophesy, someone else hears the prophecy. Like there's something about that community when we're not in isolation that guarantees the goodness of what we're seeing or we're told no by the community. And we're like, okay, that makes sense. It's almost like that tripod. You need all three to go together. Prayer, fasting, almsgiving during Lent, same thing, right? Things left alone, if they're they're meant to be in community, can be so deceiving and the devil knows that. Mm -hmm. And so he uses that. So there has to be these aspects of, and I would say this is, is in Dismas's conversion. There has to be these aspects of, of it's not only beauty, although he certainly saw something in Jesus that he mm-hmm. saw later on too, but would he have looked at a crucified man when he was younger at the first time and said, that's a beautiful man. Right. Even the mother of God didn't say, but he saw something when he looked at it, he said, you know, he had that moment mm-hmm. of conversion on the cross. Yeah, I think that- yeah, like Father Mike's uh, talk at Seek last night, he was, he was bringing up the example of the golden calf. And he it was really smart the way he talks about it, that he's like, when they come out of Israel, it wasn't that the Israelites were like, cool God, thanks for freeing us from Israel. We're done with you. We want a new God now. They make the golden calf and they say like, look, Israel, the God who set you free. It's like, they know they can't just shuck off God, but they can yeah. make him look like what he wants. I think we do the same thing with beauty that, you can't just tell people beauty doesn't matter because it's in us. Like we know we want beauty and we know we want truth. So the easiest thing to do is say, well, look at what's beautiful. This pornography is beautiful. And it's like, well, no, it's enticing and exciting. Like give it whatever adjective you want, but it's certainly not beauty, but we've convinced enough people that beauty is these other things that we can call it so that they don't actually, like you look at, like I love the photos of like Mother Teresa's feet and they're like Mm. gnarled and gross or, um, they were showing pictures of Michelle Dupont and like, she's beautiful. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry talking about her. And I don't even know her. I, not, I didn't get to meet her personally, but uh, she's um, a former missionary who died of cancer recently. And her cause has recently been open for canonization in the Diocese of Bismarck. Um, but like you see photos of her and it just like, it hits you immediately. And it's like, she's literally yellow. Like she's yeah. dying and she weighs 80 pounds. And you're just yeah. like, she is so beautiful. And it is not worldly, attractive, like mm-hmm. she's a pretty girl. It's yeah. that, like, no, she has goodness and truth and beauty, like just radiates from her. Yeah. And that's the real truth, like that's real beauty. And we're so distracted by, get your beauty counter face lotion and mm-hmm. like whatever that we use the word so poorly that it's just easy to distract from it. That's probably why Joseph is skeptical yeah. of beauty. <laughs> He's skeptical of all the ways the word is used poorly. <laughs> 
I also think that I had two experiences with with agnostics. One was I got in a conversation with a bunch of my cigar buddies back in Denver. I'm sure I've said this story before. And and I was we were talking about pornography, and I was the only one arguing against pornography. Of course, in the entire room, it's become such such a norm. But one of the guys he says, you know what? One thing Father Mike's right about is that pornography has 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 deceived me because when I walked on the street, I think that every woman wants to sleep with me. He's like, I really think that. I really think that. So I think pornography has made, the, the devil has taken a beautiful thing I'll get to in a moment. The devil's taken the aspect of beauty is a gift. Mm-hmm. And in, in pornography, his like, like no, no, that is for, I'm going to grasp it. I'm going to take yeah, it. Like possession. Yeah, that, that, that attractive woman that I see in pornography is for me. I'm going to take it. And, and I like, and, and she's obsessed with me. She wants to sleep with me. And that makes, that makes a man's twisted heart feel good. But, but it's, it's for me then, what I want to compare that to is my other agnostic buddy. I went, we went to Joshua Tree with some friends, and I've shared this story too. I know I'm going to compare the two, but we were we were looking at over this beautiful valley in Joshua Tree, and I, I, I said to him like, "What do you, what do you do when you see that? Like when you when you see this valley?" And he's like, "I just say that's beautiful. I, I, I don't. What else do you want me to say?" And I was like, "I actually say thank you." Because like this is a gift, like this is this is an expression of, of of the word of God Himself, and and it's actually a gift to me. So that I'm not I'm not buying the land. I'm not saying it's mine, but I'm saying this is a gift to me because it's so beautiful. So that's what God wants us to say. This beautiful thing is for me. But Joshua Tree's beauty. And and every woman walking on the streets, beauty can be a gift to me, but it's not like pornography where that is only for me, or it's it's for I'm going to control it, grasp it in a way that that I want to hear that every woman that I pass by on the street wants to sleep with me. You know that that the devil knows that beauty is a gift, but he has twisted that to make us think that we can possess it and that we can have it on our own terms, like you were reflecting oh, yeah. on Father well, Mike. And it's kind of it's a beautiful sort of when you talk about the pretty girl walking down the street that smiles at you and it's like because she gave it to you. She's like, yeah. oh, she just yeah. gave me this gift of right. her beauty. And I appreciate that, which is such a beautiful counter to I just assume all these women feel this way about me. But I, I gotta keep that I gotta remember that. Yeah, it's it's true. I, I it's it's really hard nowadays to ask people to smile. Yeah. Especially women, um, but but there, there is something to say about um, you don't want to do that. That's what I'm saying, by the way, listeners. <laughs> don't um, demand it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but there is something to say when you tell someone, um, as as cliche as it sounds, but like like your your smile is a gift of beauty to them that you offer to them rather than it being taken. So when you tell someone to smile, that's grasping at it. But if you receive the smile willingly, that's receiving it as a gift. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. Um, I took some notes here, which I know is rare. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, That's okay. I'll, I'll yeah, <laughs> just take it away from me. <laughs> we'll take keep on going away. like this. Um, so I wanted to share something that I, I was just um, an hour ago was on the um, Outcast Catholic podcast with Father Travis Crotty. Hmm. And um, he, we, we got on a topic that I want to mention something. So I was with, um, I want to make sure, I did not do this on his podcast. I should have, we just got away from it. But um, I want to give give it, the do so. I'm not quite sure who it is, but I want to give a shout out to um, Dominican Brother Ephraim, who is a Dominican, I believe, from here, in the Central Province, um, and then Matt Frad, and then Hector Molina. We had a cigar yesterday, and we got talking about a lot of like the the place of the church. Matt's done some controversial things recently about um, about. Uh, about Pope Francis and Pope Benedict, um, pretty much he, he made a post yesterday saying, um, 
you know, if we are not set of a cantus now, like if if you deny Pope Francis is Pope, you're actually sinning, and and he got a lot of flack for that. And there there's nuance. One, some of my friends didn't like it at all. They actually texted me about it. Like there's nuance I need to have a conversation about. But and Matt Matt told me I can't say what it is, but he's going to get even more controversial it's coming up soon with with similar things with some of his guests. So be ready wow. for that, everybody. Wow. Yeah. But but we were talking about this in the context of, and I don't know. One of the three of them coined the phrase or used the phrase, um, "The church needs to be an off ramp." In other words, it needs to be for, for people. What I got talking with Father Travis on the on the previous podcast was was that like let's take the example of my life, right? I live in LA, and and people leave the church because they think they're going to be fulfilled in Hollywood. So they they go and the producers tell them to be fulfilled. Their managers, their publicists, everybody tells them like you're you're going to find what you're looking for here, and. Hollywood is one of the quickest places to realize you're not. Mm-hmm. Why? Because of age, because of weight, because of of the competition that is there. You're going to find out really quick that 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 either the devil's going to give you that gift because it's going to destroy you, or you're not going to get that gift because it's either going to destroy you or not, depending on if you're listening to God or the, or you'll get it and you'll do the glory of God, or you'll get it and you'll mess it up. Anyway, there's so many options, but you'll find out really quickly what like like that this is unfulfilling for most people. Some people, it's, it's exactly what they need for the glory of God, but most people, it's not fulfilling. And so, like that example of leaving the church to try Hollywood, um, then the church needs to make sure that we are a obvious and an easy off ramp, so that you're getting off of other things into us. Like mm-hmm. oh, in the time of in the time okay. of Christendom, when we were when Christianity was the main force in the U.S., everything else was an off ramp because that was the norm. Now we're getting in the time of the apostolic mission; everything else is the norm. We need to be the off ramp to say, you know. We can be a landing pad. We can be an off ramp. Pretty much, if somebody comes back to church, they haven't been there in six weeks, and they come back up. Too many of our parishes, they get a glare. Where were you? You know. Mm-hmm. Whereas the prodigal father and the prodigal son story went out and welcomed them back. Like we need a team of people. I told Father Travis that just is like the prodigal father. Missing, you know, mm-hmm. they recognize someone's coming back. They embrace them. They show them what the line for confession is. You know, they, they, they come in. They're like, "Welcome back, brother." You know, be part of the community again. So anyway, there's a but the whole concept of an off ramp and how beauty, how the beauty that we have and the truth and the goodness. We'll just talk about all the transcendentals. How. how People will will if they've come back. If we're an off ramp, that's what we show them. We show them as soon as they arrive, truth and beauty and goodness that is ours to give because we are the body of Christ. Um, but we make it not only a place to be that you grew up in it, but a place to exit the tension and anxiety of whatever you thought was fulfilling, but has not been able to. So get off the freeway and 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 into the exit that is the church, and and here you rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Uh, for some reason, the story of uh, God willing, he he will come back to the church as well. The story of uh, Tom Brady and stuff like that, or, or, or honestly, a lot of these big time, you know, uh, sportsmen. Uh, what's the, the other one? Lance Armstrong and stuff too. Unfortunately, you know, these guys burned through multiple marriages and everything else, but wildly successful. I mean, in the case of Lance Armstrong, he had everything taken from him because yeah. he was he was doping the whole time. But, um, but uh, yeah, I think it, the the thing that intimidates me. I mean, in those regards, I'm taking this to to a whole nother level. Sure, people please. coming in, but so many people from are coming in from from the street, you know, coming in possibly on the off ramp with that baggage of a background, you know, yeah. multiple marriages, you know, you've, you've experienced it, you know, I even know back in Denver where we still live and stuff like that. And um, 
but how, how how beautiful it is to still be able to welcome them in. You know, it's like this is going to be a journey, but yeah. hey, you're you're here. Yeah. I just feel like you were saying it. You know, we we do live in a I, I you know we live in a, in, in a time where it is no longer Christendom. I, I wouldn't say we live in a post-Christian time. A good economist Tim Reichert told me not to say that, <laughs> but um, but we do live in a post-Christendom. Yeah. That's that's for sure. Where we have to, where where yeah we have, we have to jettison this idea of. You know, yeah, you, you don't belong here. You're not like, oh, where were you? You know, yeah. and put ourselves aside to 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 not only welcome them in, but go out of our way. Yeah. I think that's something we're out of practice for. Yeah. At least I feel, in a lot of ways, I'm out of practice for being able to welcome someone like that. Um, you know, in in the sense that, yeah, that's that's this is where they belong. You know, it's that that beauty, like you were saying. You know, the, there's there's God in everyone, and they have the they, they all bear the dignity, no matter what what mm-hmm. their past. No matter what our past, what am I saying? I walk yeah. into a church every day too. <laughs> the past is a sinner. Um, no, yeah, I think that what Tim said, he did, he's like, Christ became man, and there is no post Christendom. Like, mm. this is what it is. But, but things are, we also can't live the way we have been living, thinking like, this is the world. It's like, no, we're actually fighting a very serious battle against the way the world is mm. because it's not the way. And we were told, like, Jesus told us it would be this way, and it always has been. So it's like, it shouldn't be that shocking. Um, but I think that is, you know, like, as missionaries, there's two sides. There's the like, the very, like they come in and you're judgmental kind of thing. And then there's also the like, so overly welcoming of like, let's get you into religious ed and let's figure out like, here's the confession. Like even that was like, do you want to go to confession? If you want to, you should, but also not a like, before you come in, go like wipe off your feet. And yeah. there's a like, and I'm horrible about this with an actual like, wow, you're a person and you're here and let, like, what's your name? And like, yeah. like we're like, you might not come back for six weeks, but hopefully we'll see you again soon. Um, and, and I think also recognizing that's like, I'm not in, like, I'm not set. I could tomorrow go make horrible decisions. Yeah. And hopefully I've been living my life such that I have a, a pretty solid pattern and habit built that I won't go out tomorrow and like, become a heroin addict or something, but, but there is a real like... Please don't. Yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> um, you have a child, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's like, there's, there's so much to live for. Uh, but there's a real, like, I think we get a false sense in the church of like, well, I'm good, and now I need to go help that person be good. And it's like, no, I'm still yeah. very broken. I am not good yet, and I still need grace and mercy, and this person does too, and I'm actually not the person that does it for them. Mm. Jesus yeah. is, and hopefully they'll encounter him in me a little bit. But I'm probably not very good at it, so I'll just go ask them their name and figure out yeah. where they came from. Yeah, no, that is really good. I was just thinking back to the, when I first went to CSU uh, and I met still some of my best friends um, there. Uh, I, I remember going to my first focus Bible study with John Leindecker and all these guys are in the Bible study with me. And I thought, and, and I think I was, you know, I'm a, you know pretty much a, a sophomore in college, but new to, new to Colorado State, pretty awkward, pretty quiet, not sure how I'm going to get taken here. And I, re- I still remember like uh, Daniel Pott, who's still one of my best friends. I was driving away in his girlfriend's car and he was like leaning out the window trying to talk to me as he's driving away. And he's like, hey, you got to go. I'm so sorry. Let's hang out, you know, as he was driving away. I was like, wow, this is like, you know, these, these super cool people, they, they just want to hang out with yeah. me. And I think that's that's kind of the point, right, is that, Relationship is the beginning of evangelization, yeah. and I think maybe we over romanticize that. You know, even like the, the off ramp concept, we need to have all these programs and everything ready and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Actually, we may just need to be ready to be yeah. be friends with people we wouldn't think to be friends with. Yeah. We, we just need to actually 
inconvenience ourselves if we think of it that way to have people over or to you know feel awkward crossing the church to go say hello and just say hello yeah. and get that person's name and you know it's easy to do when we're in a small parish you know especially when we have no pews <laughs> you can be beeline nice across the move. church and make sure they have they have a book and yeah depending on how shell shocked they look it depends on how how experienced they are with the Byzantine but but yeah no I think that's the idea though is probably you know it is that relationship is the beginning of evangelization. I was thinking in the in the same vein of me saying like you know you could be you could be blown away by the beauty of the seminary in Philadelphia and then just like one woman can catch you and you're like you throw that whole thing out the window. Uh. Again, in a good, I'm not saying that's a bad thing yeah. at all. I'm just saying that's how it is, but but the same thing can same thing happens um uh with like I I come here like at seek and it's so I just say, I, I met a guy who was Orthodox that day and he saw me wearing my cassock. He's like, hey, I'm Orthodox. I'm like, hey, it's like the, the two Easter guys here. But I, but I thought, um, you know, it, you can see all of this and that, that there's, a, there's an aspect of that so many young people need to see like this, there's so many people here that are like-minded. There's, there's hundreds and hundreds of students here that I'm seeing here. There's, you know, three, 400 priests. Do you know how many priests are, Seska? Well, we have over 500. Over 500 yeah. priests. So at one mass, processing it for yeah. one mass, like 500 priests. So you see all of this and it's so good and beautiful. And yet I know that that the the intimacy of, of one relationship of of a, let's just say a, a, a Buddhist monk may outweigh that whole thing and make you want to convert to Buddhism, mm-hmm. you know, just as an example. Mm-hmm. So there, there's something about that. This, this Sikh, Fulfills its 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 mission of being informative, and you have community at a macro level here, and you you see how well liturgy. Bishop Conley did such an amazing mass this morning, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can see how liturgy could be done well. You can see how the singing could be done. You can see how many catechies be done well. All these things, and yet that's seeks place. Now you got to go home to your parish. And then your parish needs to be something, and you need to go home to your family, and they have their role. Your pastor has his role. You know, you have all these different people have their own roles, and 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 one of the things that we're all working on is that intimacy and community. To say, I really do think that community is a basic human need, like food and water and shelter. Unless you have that, you will not understand the bigger thing. So we can throw all of this information at people, all this truth and beauty and goodness, even at them. But but if they don't if they don't have the basic humanity of community, they're going to seek that first. Just like if I tell someone I have Jesus Christ, who's the way, the truth, and the life, but I'm not going to feed you, and then the guy down the street's like, "Well, I'm just going to feed you." They're going to go down there because they mm-hmm. you need to eat to understand these other things. So we need that community. If, if we say we have all this stuff, but we're not going to be welcoming to you or or in, uh, treating you like a human being, they're going to go somewhere else mm-hmm. because that's a, a basic human need. Um, whereas if we are able to offer that, then we can work on the other things or have different people work on the other things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so off-ramp, landing pad, you know, I've often thought it just, like, how do we, I, I got invited by a, 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 like five families that just said, they said all of us, we had dinner and with drinks, like they said all of us have lost most, if not all of our children left the church. Mm-hmm. And they just, yeah. they just like wanted a word of hope. Mm-hmm. And and I was like I was like I think there's there's so many reasons, um, but but uh, but just keep on being a family, you know, like like make sure they can come to you for Christmas, make sure they can come to you if they're having a hard time. Right. That's your job, and pray for the rest of us who are trying to do our jobs well. Right. 
Yeah, I was just going to follow, follow on very quickly. And then I was having a conversation with uh, Father C.J. Mast, who's the pastor at uh, uh, Our Lady of the Valley in Windsor, Colorado. Uh, I've known him since since he was at CSU. And um, he was mentioning, and and um, he, he I don't know, I think he could remember the source right away as well. But he talked about how uh, the, the, the ancient Jews didn't like to depict husband and wife together because that was what, that was the closest thing the Jews saw to the image of God and on, on oh, the earth was this image of a beautiful. husband and wife and a family that mm. comes from it. That, that image is the image of God to them. Wow. So, so, and, and, and Jews don't have an image of God. No, they don't. So that's why they exactly. do it. That's right. Okay. That's right. So I, that, that really struck me strongly. You know, it's just like, you know, to kind of repackage something that we, we know, you know, as, as Catholics, you know, mm. this lifting up marriage, you know, better than almost, almost anybody these days who's yeah. jettisoned, you know, so many, so many beautiful things about marriage that they've jettisoned. And um, so, you know, to, to that topic of beauty, you know, it's like that should be something that, that attracts, mm-hmm. but also it should be something that as a family, you know, should be let in. So yeah. to Father CJ, his, to his point was that, you know, the house is the center of evangelization. Mm-hmm. The parish may not be. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not in the strict sense. The family is going to be a stronger, in a sense, a stronger uh, center of evangelization than a church is mm-hmm. when done well. Yeah. You know, it's like the church, you come and you are fed, yeah. but you are evangelized in the family. Yeah. I, I have felt just, I've, I've heard so many stories recently about um, lay people being kind of handicapped by their pastors for doing ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's just this weird thing where like they, they, they've been doing this thing at the church for years and then a new priest comes in, this happened with the Schneers, right? They, they had a thriving, I shouldn't have said the name, but anyway, mm-hmm. this, is, this is like 30 years ago. They had a thriving youth ministry and then the new pastor came in and just took it away, like took away the youth ministry remove them from place. And it's just, it's, but I, what he didn't like, what they were doing, who knows, but, but then they, you know, went on to do other things, other places, but the Schneer home has become the place of evangelization. I would say in all of Southern California, like their backyard, that yeah. fire pit and the conversations on that fire pit. You've heard me listeners have said, have said a million times like that in their home. And, and it's like, they they are the king and queen of that family. They control that backyard, you know. And I can't tell you how many times it's like literally this happened. So they they're in town for like fifteen days. I called them and I said, I'm traveling this week. I'm traveling next week. I'm at a kind of conference. I said, I said, when can I see you? And hope was just like come tonight. I literally walked into their house. I think they've been home for twenty minutes driving from oh, Wyoming. Nice. They had all their stuff still laying in the living room. I walk in. Justin hugs me, pours me a, a whiskey. Hope grabs the smokes. We go outside and talk for three hours. Nice. I was like, "What nice. are you like? You guys just moved your your nine kids across the country, put everything in the living room, and Father Michael shows up, Brother Sean Paul shows up, the, one of the CFRs, and you just treated us like kings. Well, well, you just got back in. I'm like, with your nine kids, like, who does that? But like that welcome, that hospitality, that community. Yeah. Justin didn't even know his wife had invited me. Until later oh, wow. that night, he awesome. thought I literally showed up to his house the day he got back and just decided that we're going to hang out. And he was all about it. Mm-hmm. Like he's later on, he's like, he's like, so how'd you know we got here? I was like, well, your wife texted me. He's like, oh, I thought you just showed up. Like, oh, That's awesome. Why would you be so nice to me if I literally just walked into your house and you had so much to do? Anyway, 
community. It's, it's fitting because it's like the, the pair should be the off ramp because if you're stuck on the highway and you need to get off, you need yeah. a, a means yeah. of getting off and people aren't just going to show up to your house normally. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you don't, you don't just stop at an on, like you, the off ramp gets you somewhere. And so it's like the yeah. parish can't be the parking lot. Like you yeah. need to get off and that's where you like, the road system needs different parts of it. Yeah, and, you know. and, and I, I think there's just something to say. I, I want to give a shout out to Laura Rochelle. She listens to every single episode <laughs> um, that we call her non Catholic Laura. Um, she's um, although we're, <laughs> I, I've stopped calling her that because I'm like, well, you know, we don't want to identify you as part of our community as the only one who's non Catholic. But she 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 comes to our parish quite often. But she loves the socials afterwards. You know, Laura. You know, you love the socials so much so that she decided on her birthday, which is on a Sunday, she was going to come. Her and her boyfriend were going to come and celebrate her birthday at our social after our liturgy. Oh. She couldn't nice. come to the liturgy, but she came to the social. And then her her boyfriend surprised her with a birthday cake. We all sang for her and she took pictures with every single person and like posted them on, on <laughs> Instagram. Like, this is, this is my parish family like for her birthday. I was, I was like, it was just so beautiful. And she didn't even come to our parish. I mean, she comes every once in a while. I was like, she's there for the community afterwards. I'm like, and and you know, Laura, I'm praying that you come to the church, but I, that's, that's no secret in your own time, it, whatever happens. Um, she's on our listener advisory committee, so she has to listen to every episode. <laughs> that's why I'm talking directly to her. Um, but she, uh, but she, but yeah, I like like we are fine with Laura being where she is because we love her, and then she's she provides so much light and joy and peace to the community. And this, we're hoping that the next step is is towards beauty, beauty, and goodness, whatever Holy Spirit's doing in your life, Laura. But anyway, yeah, the, the, it has to be. We have to provide all three. We have to provide something substantial mm-hmm. because nobody's going to get off on the ramp. They're going to keep on driving if if we don't and get back on the freeway, maybe or go to a different exit unless we provide something that's actually Jesus Christ. If we don't provide Jesus Christ, nothing else is worthy. Jesus Christ is the only worthy sacrifice to God the Father. He's also the only worthy gift to those who are seekers, you know, and searchers. Amen. (laughs) Amen. All right, guys. Um, So if you have any last thoughts, let me know. Actually, you know what? Can I ask you this? We're we're, we're, we're right right out of time, but I would love to hear a quick story from each of you about if you have one, if not, mm-hmm. no pressure, sure. about where you have seen beauty presented to people that has attracted them to Jesus Christ. Whether it's Joseph, your your ministry back at CU, anything you guys have done, but but you, you've been in focus a long time. I'm sure you have some sort of story where, where you've seen hearts move towards Christ because of truth or beauty or goodness. Let's just say that. One aspect, maybe a short two-minute story if you have something like that. Mm, I gotta think. No, I gotta think too. That's a really okay. Good, you, that's you guys a really think? You guys think? I'm, I'm gonna tell one. I don't have one in mind, but I'm gonna come up with one real quick. Um, so, 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 so. I'll I'll, t- I'll tell the story of. Um, I, I've I've been amazed how much my celibacy that I kind of discerned grudgingly because mm-hmm. I could have been married. Um, I didn't. I, I felt very strongly called to celibacy, but I don't. I never knew that one of the fruits of that was going to be um, with people that that are that have kind of eaten the bait of of sexual promiscuity, and how how I've had so many people, um, especially like LGBTQ groups, that say like you you if you love someone you have to sleep with them, and I'm like. 
Um, <laughs> I've never slept with anybody and I love a lot of people like you know you can do it or, or people that are like in a relationship they're like well we can't wait until marriage it's, it's like it's like I promise you you can I get it you gotta put up boundaries you gotta like I said in Denver I had a, a guest room in my basement and, and this guy came up to me and he just said father we can't we can't afford two apartments we're getting engaged I need to live with my fiance and I was like guess what? I have a basement. You'll have your own entrance. You can sleep in my guest room and have your own bathroom. So he did. And then my basement became this, this house for engaged men who were whining, wanting to live with their fiancés, you know, nope, you, I got a basement all, all ready to go for you. But, but there's been a way of the, of the switch from me being able to say, I am a joyful, joyful, joyful celibate. And I hope you see that in, in the conversation with me. And that is something that St. Paul would call beautiful, but but that they would have called ugly and bigoted and horrible in the beginning. But that there's something about that that I've had multiple people, at least at the end of a long conversation, say, don't get it, don't want it, but I commend you for for living something that you 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 feel so powerfully about. And that that changes my mindset about the objective craziness of a life of celibacy, you know, just that, that, that simple witness of, of joy and vocation. I love it. That's good. Um, I think that one comes to mind actually from our CSU days. So we, we went to CSU together. Uh, that's where we met, that's where we started dating. That's Colorado State. I live in California State. now, which has a different <laughs> that's CSU. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's the better Colorado. CSUs in Colorado. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, I had just moved in with a group of guys, including including Daniel Pot, like I mentioned earlier, Matt Bowen, Corey Adamy, um, still some of my best friends. Um, and our our house was the kind of the hub for the Catholic students in that they were going to CSU at the time. Um, people were always over. We were always throwing axes and breaking fences and building fires and all sorts of stuff in the backyard. And we should be studying. Anyways, we had a party one night. I don't remember what the context was. Was it Halloween? Anyways, there was a, a one of our friends had invited a girl who none of us knew. She came in, and um, she was by herself. So we just brought her in. We were all having fun. Um, I think that was the night that Daniel singed his eyebrows off trying to jump over the fire. <laughs> Anyways, but we uh, we were having a good time, and um, one of us noticed. I think the friend that brought her noticed that she wasn't in the party at some point. So we went out the front door, and she was sitting and crying on the doorstep um, of our house. Like, and so he walked up to her and, and and asked her what was wrong. She said, "Oh, nothing's wrong." She goes, "I've just never seen people have having so much fun mm. without alcohol." Wow! Because Daniel was completely sober when he jumped over the fire yeah. and singed his, <laughs> singed his eyebrows off. <laughs> that's just that's just who he is, and that's who we were, anyways. But you know, we were we were all having a really good time. There was some really authentic community happening. Um, pretty sure you dove across the table several times playing nerds. As, as is typical. <laughs> Anyways, I just remember it being a really good time. We all remember parties like that from those days where there, you know, there was no drunkenness, there was no yeah. drinking for the most part because half of us were still too young. And um, yeah, I remember that that story is something that stuck with mm. me. Beautiful, love it. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm trying to think of like actual instances of um, of ministry, and I have to be careful because I don't want to name names or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> uh, more recently, we're, we're oh, in an interesting, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we're in an interesting position in that, um, you know, we have been married for 10 years. We only have one child. And uh, so I'm still working at Focus. And it's certainly, it's because I'm infertile. It's not because of our choice. Um, but it's been a really interesting 
invitation into women who maybe are like new to the Catholic faith or not totally sold out on not being on birth control or things like that. And just seeing like, um, and in their own lives, like some of these are married women that do have children and it's been very, very difficult for them because they have illnesses or whatever, whatever reason. And so they kind of, they see me as like a, Oh, you're also a good Catholic, but you don't want kids either. And they can, uh, um, and they can like kind of talk with me about it. And I, I think I've been given a grace in that I'm not hugely sensitive about being infertile and we have one. And so it's like, you just chose to have one. Obviously you could have had more, but you don't. Um, and so I think, and so they kind of, with an expectation of like, yeah, how do you like, so you just, you don't want to have more that, that kind of discussion. And there's, um, there's, there's like one woman in particular, she's like, I never, I didn't actually recognize the gift of motherhood until like actually like talking to people as much about how hard it is to not be able to have it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so there's a sort of like, just by nature of just being around and being the way I am, but still being Catholic, mm-hmm. it, it has opened up doors to get to talk to people about like, oh, you are a good Catholic and you do want children. And also that I'm not like, completely overly distraught and unable to be joyful because I am not being given this gift. It's been like, I think me and the the person I'm not naming in particular that I'm thinking about have had a, both of our relationship has like grown and seeing her grow in love for the beauty of the Catholic church and our openness to life and how that works and seeing that God puts children in our life the way they need to. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been a really, I would not have expected this to be the way my ministry was going to mm-hmm. go, but it's been awesome to be able to see it happen that way. Nice. So, yeah. Amen. All right. Well, we are coming upon an hour. Um, as is our tradition, I will give the spiel about where you can find us, et cetera. And then we'll do uh, prayer intentions. I'll go first. And then if you judge just some short prayer intention for somebody, something, and then we'll finish with a blessing. And uh, Father Joe, we'll get you in on the prayer intentions. If you're okay with that, just if you have any, want us to pray for want the listeners to pray for anybody. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, I want to thank my brother Joseph O'Loughlin and his wife uh, Francesca O'Loughlin for coming on. I want to thank Father Joe for uh, for coming in and being an audience of one. Um, uh, so the uh, you can find us on all the platforms, but if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, if you can rate and review, it helps the algorithm and uh, us get the word out. We are on Instagram and we are on Facebook and I'm on Twitter at Potter Michael O. We have a nonprofit called Fotina. You can see it at fotina.org. Uh, we do, uh, we support evangelization, but we also support the poor, the hungry, thirsty, strangers, naked, ill, and imprisoned from um, Matthew 25. We also support the church and other ministries that are similar to ours. Uh, you can assist us by either going there or we are on Patreon. We have various levels um, where we have uh, we send you stuff or you can meet us and other things like this come on our quarterly uh, listener uh, Zoom meetings, etc. You can find out all that on our Patreon page. Just go to Patreon, look up what a God is not. Uh, we also have a Goodreads page where you can see what we're reading and we can see what you're reading and that's moderated by our media team and they are amazing. They're doing great. Uh, we are also on YouTube audio only um, because Mother Natalia lives with the Amish and we don't have bandwidth to do any video. Um, and then, uh, is that it? Oh, uh, you can, we have a website, whatgodisnot.com and we have a email address, whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com so you can contact us on any of those. And uh, my prayer intention Um I am going to ask you to pray. This may sound kind of odd. Um, we're coming up upon Theophany and we have house blessings and house blessings are huge mm-hmm. for our season of Theophany. Um, I can't tell you how many parishioners I've had in both parishes that um, don't get their house blessed because they think it's too messy. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I, I am always honored, as I think every priest is, to walk into a messy house because it means that they trust us and they know that we're going to love them anyway. But I get it. I totally get it. I get it. either I have certain messy, messy aspects of my life that I don't want people to see. I totally get that people wouldn't want me to come over. But um, So just pray, pray for a softening of the hearts of those who, who struggle with that. And also pray that, that I may be a worthy pastor to walk into a messy house and that they may know that and that I, I will keep it to myself and I will not judge, et cetera. Um, but the house blessing is such an important way of, of keeping away the demons. I, I don't think we, we understand how many demons there are in this world, how much they impact everything around us. And there's a, and the way that the demons um, occupy space is a very interesting um, aspect of the writings of the fathers. And so the house blessings every year has been our ancient tradition to get your house blessed every single year um, to utilize that gift. And so don't don't let anything, insecurity, anxiety, um, any attacks of the devil keep Byzantine Catholics especially away from having their house blessed. So just pray for the softening of hearts of my own and those um, who are about to have their house blessed on this beautiful season. Francesca. Quick shout out to Father Joe, who gave us one of the most thorough, intense house blessings I've ever seen. It was yeah, awesome. I was just pointing at him and he was looking confusedly back at me, but that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Uh, get your house blessed. Um, uh, I, we actually, well, I, you don't know this, uh, just found out one of the students who worked with that Boulder, um, I'll just say her first name, was uh, very recently diagnosed with leukemia and is in the hospital right mm. now for the next 30 days. Um, it, it's, it's very dire. So pray for Amy, pray for her healing. Um, also for Chelsea, who's uh, struggling with leukemia as well, and anyone else who in our life is struggling with cancer, um, as well as for a friend of mine who is having very serious struggles in his marriage, um, that their marriage may be unified and um, uh, that his wife will choose to stay within the marriage and be with them, and that Amen. there may be peace and healing in their life. Thank you. Amen. I was going to bring up Chelsea as well. It's just the one to Chelsea from an old parishioner of the parish in Denver who uh, yes. just, um, she just, uh, yeah, was found out. That is, is it breast cancer or is it leukemia? It's breast cancer. That's what I thought. Very, very shocking, very jarring. She showed up at the parish to introduce her her new little, was it a son or daughter? It was a daughter. I almost said son. I was like, that doesn't sound right. A new, new little daughter and uh, her, her new husband had mentioned that, that uh, she was going in, I think, the next week. For for breast cancer screening, and it, mm. it did come up positive, and it's they they think it may be, maybe terminal. So for yeah, that, certainly for her and for her her suffering family and children. Uh, Father Joe, mm -hmm. yeah, if you can pray um, for, I, I just got to my new parishes uh, six months ago, and we we have have somebody a new, a new friend of mine, Aaron, who came into the church at Christmas, which was which was a huge blessing. Um, but just for her continued conversion of heart, for her continued uh, openness, openness to the Lord, whatever he has in store for her, for Aaron. All right, thank you all. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of Seek. I will be shooting back to LA tomorrow morning because we are uh, going to celebrate Theophany tomorrow night. So we're recording this on the 4th, 4th of January. All right, listeners, God bless you. I will send you out the blessing. Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord bless you. In every way, may he allow you to see truth, beauty, and goodness for what they truly are. May you be earthen vessels carrying the light of that transcendental um, beauty of Christ to the world. May you understand with patience that Christ is calling you to a conversion process throughout your life. May you not reject the ways that Christ is sending people to you. May you be a welcoming off-ramp 
to those who come to your family, to your parish and to you. May our Lord give you patience, perseverance, a generous heart, courage, chastity, and fortitude. May you be faithful in every way and have your heart softened and strengthened to God's will for you. May you receive every good thing from our Lord, even the salvation of your soul. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thanks, Father. You're very welcome.